Thank you for checking out the River's Edge Church podcast. We believe that no matter where you have come from or what you have come out of, today can be a life-changing day. Church should not be an obligation to endure each week, but rather a place to look forward to, a place where we can come together in community to grow in our lives. So join us today as we expect something good from our amazing God. Well, this morning, I'm going to just take a few moments, and I just want to, I want to talk to the dads. And actually, I want to talk to the men. Is that all right if I talk to the men in the house this morning? And uh, dads, I'm just going to tell you, um, I went three different directions this week. I was going to write one message, started it, threw it out, started another one, threw it out, and ended up with this one. So I'm hoping that this is the best of the three, right? Come on, guys, help me out here. But you know, men, I think there's something that we, we miss in our society today is that God made us to be conquerors. He made us to be victors. He made us to be champions. He made us to be giant killers. Hello? And I think for too long as men, and, and I hope women in the house, you don't mind me talking directly to the men today, For too long we have sat back and we have not faced the giants that are in our path. And the reality is, is that I got to thinking about this weekend and this message and I thought, what would I want my son to know? Because someday he's going to be a dad. Someday he's going to raise a family. Someday he is going to lead in business or whatever he realizes that he is supposed to do. And there's one thing that I was sure of as I thought about what would I tell my son is that there's going to be some giants you have to kill. There's going to be some things that come up in your life that you have to get victory over. There may be things physically that you have to get victory over. There may be things mentally that you have to get victory over. There may be things spiritually that you have to get victory over. And you know what? It may affect all three of those realms. And so as I thought about that, I thought, you know what? There's an example in the Bible that we would call a giant killer because he killed a giant. And his name was David. Come on, there we go. Thank you, Nick. His name was David. And and the story of David and David killing the giant Goliath is found in 1 Samuel 17, and I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but men, I challenge you this week, go read this piece of scripture. I mean, I think we could do like a 12-week series just on this one chapter of the Bible because there's so much that we can glean from David's life, and and this morning, I'm just going to look at a sliver of it. But if you don't know the story, the story goes something like this. Israel was at war with the Philistines. And the Israeli army went out against the Philistines and they were basically each army was on one hill on the other side of a valley. And the Philistine army had this champion that they called Goliath who was a huge guy. And he would come out and he would chastise the children of Israel, Israel's army. And he did it day in, day out. 
Because at that time, there was a way of war where you would send out your champions against each other, and whichever champion from the opposing armies won, those people became the victors. And so Goliath would come out, and he would torment and torment and torment and torment and torment and torment the army of Israel and the king Saul. And day after day after day after day, they backed down like cowards. No one would stand up and say, I will fight him. I will go after the giant. And then one day, David. David comes to the war front. And what's interesting, I never saw this before, as I was reading the story this week. It says that Jesse sent David, but if you back up a couple of verses before that, it says that David would courier back and forth between the battlefront and home. He would go home and tend the sheep, help out his dad, then he would go up to the battle lines, and then he would go home and tend the sheep to help his dad, and he'd go back to the battle lines, and he did this again and again and again, and then on one particular day, Jesse says, send supp- I want to send supplies with you to your brothers, and to the king, and so take this and go, and he gets up there, and he happens to hear Goliath taunting. And he stands up and says, I'll fight him. I will take on this giant. And I think it is a great picture for us as men that there comes a point in time in our life where we have to stand up and say, everybody else is content with the giants, but I'm not. And I will stand up. See, we have to choose to kill our giants. Nobody is going to kill your giants for you. There was a whole army, and no one would rise up. But David did. And you know what, men? I think it's time as followers of Jesus to stand up to our giants and see them fall. It's time that people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ actually live like followers of Jesus Christ. It's time for us to stop living defeated, mamby-pamby, got to wear my pull-ups kind of life, and stand up and live a manly life and say, you know what, I'm going to deal with the hard issues. I'm going to challenge them. I'm going to take responsibility, and I'm going to go after those things. And so, dads, I want you to know today is all about you. This is all for you. The rest of you will glean from this. But I'm talking to the dads today, and so if I'm a little intense, it's because I'm talking to myself too because i got to kill my own giants as well. So 1 Samuel 17 Starting in verse 40, it says, Then he took his staff in his hand, this is David, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in his shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. Just like all us men, right? We're good-looking. 
Hey, if you got children, that means you married. You married. Somebody thought you were good looking. So you tell yourself you're good looking because you're good looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you, and I will take your head from you. I love that. <laughs> and this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the army of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assemblies shall know that the Lord does not save by sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his own sword. Took his sword. Love that. And drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. What's a bad day. <laughs> Somebody takes your head off with your own sword. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Father, I just thank you this morning for your word. Father, I thank you for the example of David. And Father, I thank you that he was not perfect like us, but yet he was a man after your heart. And Father, I thank you that though we are not perfect men by any means, God, the men of this house, the fathers in our midst, God, they are men after your heart. And Father, I thank you that today you're going to instruct us, you're going to teach us through your word. God, that we're going to rise to new levels. And that, Father, we're going to slay giants. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, a lot of times I, I know that for me personally in my life and, and a lot of other men that I've known in life, um, as men, uh, sometimes we can have the tendency to minimize our giants. I mean, if we're really honest, right, we minimize our giants. Or, or we look at a giant in our life and, and we say, you know, it's not real, that's not really a giant. You know, um, years ago, uh, I had a really, really bad temper. I had, I had an anger streak. And... Um, a lot of times, I think, men, we, we look at our, our anger and, and, and we think it's justified or whatever. But the Bible tells us to be angry and sin not. And there's a point in time when our anger becomes a sin issue. And it has to be dealt with. Because, you know, there is a righteous anger. Hello? There are things that should make us angry as men and cause us want to rise up. And do something about it. But there's also anger that is not acceptable and is misplaced. And it has to be dealt with. 
And I had to deal with my anger. You know what? Can I be honest, church? Women in the house, I'm sorry. You're going to have to hear this. But you know what? Lust is an issue, men. And lust is something that men have to deal with. And if we're not careful, it becomes a giant in our life. You know what? My dad, my dad had six husbands. I'm six wives. <laughs> six wives. Let me fix that. Six wives. I was raised in a very promiscuous environment. So as a very young man, I had to start fighting the battle of lust. And as I accepted Jesus Christ, I now had the strength and the power to defeat that giant. And I had to go after it. You know what, men? Lust is a giant that has to be slain. It has to be slain. Men, can I tell you that apathy is a giant we must slay. Addiction is a giant we must slay. Failing to take responsibility is a giant we have to slay. Men, if we're honest, we all have giants we have to slay. And can I just tell you, this is a great place to be. The house of God church is a great place to be because you know what? You're surrounded by men that have giants in their life too, and we're all working on slaying them. And my goal today is to equip us in just a little way and encourage us that we can go after and we can slay our giants. So how do we do it? Well, the word tells us here, first of all, that David picked up his staff. And a lot of times I think we look at that and we think, okay, David picked up a stick. But can I tell you, that's not what a shepherd's staff was. A shepherd's staff was actually a piece of history for that shepherd. Because being a shepherd, they had a lot of downtime. It wasn't all chasing away predators. It wasn't all using that staff in battle. But what a shepherd would do is in his downtime, he would recount his victories and he would carve them into his staff so that his staff became a history of the victories that he had won. I have no doubt that in David's, there was a lion and there was a bear and they were both dead on his staff, but there were victories on his staff. And you know what, men? We need to remember our victories. We need to remember our victories. You know what? Some of you need to dig the trophies out of the closet and put them someplace where you can see them. That's really what the staff was. It was David's trophies. And men, we need a trophy cabinet, and we need to not be ashamed about having some trophies. But men, can I tell you that some of our biggest trophies are not the ones we got in high school. If those are our greatest victories, it's time for some new victories. Right? I mean, I think, uh, how many years is that? That's a lot of years. If I have to look back that far to find a victory, it's time for me to start fighting some battles. And you know what else is interesting? Is that staff, really, we would equate it to a journal. 
And you know what, men, I'm going to be bold with you today. You know what? We all think, a lot of men think that writing in a journal is a sissy thing. Can I tell you, no, it's a manly thing. Because you need to record in there the fights that you're in and the victories that you win. And you're not going to remember them. You're not going to remember them. I remember the first time I went to Lima, Peru, and spent uh, a week in Peru all over the country. And it was a requirement of that trip because I was still in Bible school that we actually had to have a journal, and we had to journal every single day. Do you know that all it takes is one second of me picking up that journal and turning a page and reading what happened there, and I'm back in that moment? Men, we need to have a record of the victories that we've won so that we can look back them and be back at that place of victory in a moment. Because that victory empowers us. So as David picked up that staff and he started to head into battle, he was reminded of his victories. Dads, if you have sons, remind them of their victories. That's one of the reasons scars are good. Right? Remember the time that this happened? I mean, I've, I've, got, I've got one leg that there's patches of hair that don't grow. Right? And, uh, and then I got another leg that's got this big nasty scar here on one knee. And I can tell you how I got them. And they're awesome. <laughs> they're awesome. They're awesome stories. They're awesome stories. Well, why are they awesome stories? Why? Because you know what? When I got those scars, I was being a man. And when I got those scars, even though they hurt like crazy, it didn't stop me. I got, I got one set of the scars. Uh, we were doing a family camp, and there was a bunch of us that we had gone to uh, this place on Mount Hood. It's got an action park. In fact, it's, it was the same weekend I bungee jumped. And... Uh, there was, uh, uh, what are they called, the Alpen Slide, and you basically got in this little bobsled thing, and you went down this bobsled course, but the bobsled course, um, it wasn't concrete, but it had concrete in it, and it wasn't fiberglass, but it had fiberglass in it, so I just tell you that, that it was rough and it would burn you, okay? And um, being that I, the guy that I am and being highly competitive, um, I am flying down this thing as fast as I can, you know, my wife said, you just be careful. You don't need to get hurt and, because we're going into a long weekend of camping, and you don't need to be hurt and, you know, be miserable all weekend, da 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 da, da. You don't have to be so competitive with those teenage boys. And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> and so I am flying down, right? The, the way they work is if you pull up on the handle, it puts on the brake, but if you push that handle down, it just keeps going, right? And so I got that handle pushed down, and I am flying. And I come into this corner, and that thing just goes, Whoop, and the next thing I know, it's riding me. I'm not riding it. <laughs> and I'm sliding down, and so I have this, this spot up here, and I have this spot here that I got the same day, and I had to be bandaged up and miserable the whole time we were camping. <laughs> but I went camping, and it was worth the pain. <laughs> right? Am I right, man? Isn't there something about, let's do this. You know what? We need to remember our stories. And, and if you're a dad and you've got boys, man, celebrate the scars with your son. Celebrate the scars with your son. Man, they're points of victory. You, you went through that, man, and you didn't shed a tear, right? That's pretty cool. 
yeah, you guys just all got tense on me. Like, oh, it's okay. I'm not talking that men shouldn't be sensitive. You saw me blubbering up here a minute ago. What I'm talking about is a time where you can look pain in the face and go, you know what? I can endure pain, and I can get through the other side. Us as husbands, we don't have the joy of childbirth. We don't know what that's like, moms. So we have to go get scars on our body. <laughs> but you know what else that staff did? That staff reminded David who his God was. Because each one of those victories marked a time that he realized his God was bigger than the circumstance that he was facing. And you know what? We need as men to remember how big our God is. I think too many times we think of God as a little G-O-D and not the big G-O-D. I was having a conversation with my daughter Megan the other day. She loves science. And so she likes to, she likes to talk stuff with dad. And sometimes she likes to argue with dad. And sometimes it gets really tense in our house because she escalates and I escalate and it gets really loud and really crazy. And if you watch into our house, you'd think we were going to kill each other. And we're not. We're loving the moment because we're connecting. And yeah, it's intense and it may make you uncomfortable, but we're perfectly comfortable, <laughs> right? And when it's done, it's, it's funny, we, we had this happen recently a few weeks ago, and everybody in the house was uptight except for us, and everybody else left, and we finished the conversation. We got done, and we felt like we'd had this incredible bonding moment. <laughs> I know we're weird. It's awesome. <laughs> but we, we're having a conversation the other day, and, and because she's into science, she brought up the Big Bang Theory. She's like, well, you know, couldn't have God created everything through the Big Bang? And actually, I actually got, gave some thought to that, Megan. And here's what I thought. The, the word tells us that God spoke and everything that we see came into existence. Can you imagine? God went, let there be, and boom! The big bang happened, and wow! Out of absolute nothingness, everything came into existence? Man, I don't think that's too far-fetched. Now, scientists probably don't have it figured out and probably never will. But it's very possible that God spoke and there was an explosion that took place that is greater than anything that we've ever fathomed and ever will fathom. And everything came into existence. That's the kind of God I serve. A God that when he speaks, everything changes. Everything changes. Listen to James 2.19. It says, you believe there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. I love the New Living Translation. It says, and they tremble in terror. How awesome is that, that we serve a God that at the mention of his name, the demons of hell tremble. Can I tell you at the mention of Jesus' name, your situations, your giants tremble? Hey, Goliath, Jesus. And he's shaking in his boots. We need to realize that. We need to remember that. We serve an amazing, awesome, powerful God. That's what David did. He remembered his God. He reminded himself that God has delivered into my hand the lion and the bear. And this Philistine, he's going to be just like one of them. Because my God is faithful. Men may I dare say, Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, if he was kicking devil booty 2,000 years ago, he's still kicking devil booty, and he will always kick devil booty. And you know what? That means that you're a devil booty kicker too. 
Nahum 1.5 says this. It says, the mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. We serve a mighty, awesome, incredible God. And we need to remember it, men, that the God who is for us is greater than anything that is against us. And we don't have to fear anything because our God is greater. Amen? And then it says here, it says that David ran to the battle. Think about that for a minute, men. Here's big, bad Goliath. Israel and Saul have all been hiding, quaking in their boots, chickens. You show up. Goliath comes out. He starts to torment. You pick up your slingshot and your staff, and you run at him. It's funny. Uh, Janet has uh, recently taken a new position um, uh, with, with the government, and she's actually moved into the federal government uh, one of the, in the BLM and the, the law enforcement side of the BLM. And so everybody she works with is packing all the time. And so the other day at work, a, a conversation came up, and that conversation was around what happens if there's an active shooter on base. And her boss looked at her and says, well, you won't have to wonder where I'm at because I'll be running towards the shots. Where you hear the gunfire, that's where I'm running. In fact, all the guys in her office are that way. In fact, I told her I want to lose like 20 pounds before I go meet them because I want to look like I'm at least decent shape <laughs> when I meet these guys. <laughs> you know? Because they're saying, yeah, if there's gunshots, I'm running toward it. You know what I mean? God created us that way. God created us men to run to trouble. Not to run into trouble, but to run to the place of trouble. Why? Because we are a solution to trouble. And there's too many places in our culture and our society, men, where we have not run in when everybody else was running out. And we need to engage. That's what David did. David ran in to the battle. Men, when it comes to slaying our giants, a half-hearted attitude ain't going to do it. It's not going to do it. We got to give it our all. We got to focus. We got to put our eyes on the prize, and we need to go for it. Not this, well, you know, I'll make a little change. No, maybe, maybe you need to make a big change and just be bold and do it. Stop making all the little change. You know what the other thing is that really irritates me about this whole thing is the children of Israel, the army of Israel, they tolerated this guy. They tolerated it. Man, we got to stop tolerating our giants. Got to stop tolerating them. And I think a lot of times we treat our giants just like the Israel army did. Oh, there he is. I'm just going to go over here and act like I don't see him. Oh, I don't have a problem. No, everything's good. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I don't see nothing. Giant? Where? I don't, I don't see a giant. It's because he's over there. And you know, man, I've done it. So there's no condemnation in this at all. I've done it. I've ignored my giants. But you know what? I don't want to be the guy that enjoys Ignores my giants. You know, there's a guy that um, that uh, I know. You guys don't know him, but um, 
I had the opportunity of working with him through a very difficult season in his life. And uh, he admitted, and this may be a little bit PG-13, so I'm assuming everybody's junior high or older in here. Um, uh, this guy um, had a really bad lust issue, and it was affecting his life and all of his relationships. And he decided that, you know what? I'm going to slay this giant. And I know this guy really well, and I can tell you that this giant runs in his bloodline. The Bible would maybe refer to it as generational curse. If you believe in generational curses, basically you see it from generation to generation to generation to generation that's been passed down in his family. And he stood up and said no more. And so he decided that he was going to change everything that he had to change. He was going to go to every meeting that he had to go to. He was going to confess to every person he had to confess. And he literally laid his life open and said, I am not going to fall to this giant. This giant is going to fall to me. And you know, I'm super proud of him because this little thing right here, right here, the smartphone, it's a blessing and it's the biggest curse on the face of the planet, especially for men. Because this is a portal to a whole world that a lot of men, you're in and you need to kill it. So you know what he did? He got a flip phone. He ditched his smartphone and got a flip phone. And I saw it. I'm like, dude, I have never been more proud of a man in my whole life than I am right now. It's the coolest thing ever. And every time I see him whip that thing out, you know what I think? I think victory. He killed a giant. That giant went down. That's awesome. You know what, man? We got to be willing to make the hard decisions to kill the giants. And yeah, it may mean that we have to change our life and not be just like everybody else. But can I just tell you, everybody else is messed up. I don't want to be messed up. I want to show you a couple of pictures, guys. And I hope you never forget these pictures. There is a species of families that are called, of animals called bovine. But not all bovine are the same. And I want to show you two different bovine, and I'm showing you these two different bovine because even though they're in the same classification, they do not behave the same. Can you put up the, the Hereford cow, please? That is a bovine. That is a Hereford. It's a pretty nice-looking animal, actually. Um, that would probably be a really good dinner. <laughs> Anybody else hungry? Yeah. Um, Can you put up the other one? That's a bison. They're both bovine. They're both in the same family, technically. Go back to the Hereford cow. You know what's really great about this one? Do you know what, the, do you know what cows do? See, he's out there in the plains all happy, just grazing away, no problems, life is good. Do you know what a cow does when a storm comes? They turn away from it, and they run away from the storm. And because of that, in the wintertime, when really bad snow storms come blazing through the plains, because they turn and they run away from the storm, what happens is the storm typically overtakes them, prolongs their time in the storm, and they die in the storm. 
It's not uncommon after a bad um, snowstorm to go out and you'll just see them littering the plains. On the other hand, the bison takes a completely different approach. When a bison sees a storm coming, they run into the storm. And because they run into the storm, they pass through the storm quicker and their survival rate is much higher. Men, do you want to be a Hereford? Or do you want to be a bison? I don't know about you, just because the fact they look cooler. <laughs> that looks like a manly animal. Hello? You even got facial hair. <laughs> Men, we should be bison. We should run into the storm. We should run into the storm. And here's the great thing about running into the storm. When we run into the storm, the storm <laughs> is never as bad as we think it's going to be. And two, we will pass through it quicker than if we turn the other way. And men, for too long, we've turned our backs and pretended like the storms weren't there and we've let them overtake us. And we've suffered the consequence. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be that way. And then the last thing that I see from this is that David... After he had sunk that rock into Goliath's head, he didn't say, well, that's dead enough. That's good enough. He went over, pulled out Goliath's sword, and whacked off his head. See, men, there are, there are battles that we need to fight. And we don't need to fight until the battle is won. We need to fight till the enemy is dead. And too many times, men, what we do is we'll go into battle and we'll get a little taste of victory and we'll say it's enough. But can I tell you, we need to say, I have truly killed that thing. My wife told stories on me today. And she's right, my, my daughter's to get my a little bit of opinionatedness. <laughs> but in our home, there's a lot of laughter and a lot of joy. We laugh a lot. And when we laugh, we laugh hard. Can I tell you there was a season in my life where there wasn't? And the reason why there's laughter and there's joy in my house is because I have killed anger. And I do not get angry. Janet and I, we joke because we can't remember the last time we had a fight, right? We've had some discussions with purpose, <laughs> okay? But I've killed some things. And because I've killed some things, my family is different. Guess what? My family's not perfect. I know I make it sound like they're perfect. I mean, they are pretty amazing, but they're not perfect. But what's great is they serve a God who is. And you know what, men? If we will do our best to go after our giants and truly make sure that they're dead, our children will see that. And because we slay giants, our children won't have to. So, men, this is my challenge this morning. Let's be men and fathers 
who deal with the stuff in our life so our children don't have to. Let's fight the hard battles now so that they don't have to fight the hard battles later. And you know what? Let's embrace some of our son's scars. And let's go get him some scars. <laughs> I mean that in all seriousness. Jesus said this in Matthew 18, verses 8 and 9. He says, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame and maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. These are the words of our Savior, man. These are not lighthearted words. This is not a lighthearted, casual moment with Jesus, although there are many of those in the Bible. This is not Jesus kidding around. And no, I do not believe that he literally meant for you to hack off your foot, hack off your arm, or pluck out your eye. But he's using metaphor to really stress to us, you know what? There are issues in your life that are so serious that they will disqualify you from what I have for you. And if you don't deal with them, you're going to regret it. Men, we need to be courageous enough to deal with it and take those things seriously and have the courage to say, you know what? I would rather be the weird guy who doesn't go get drunk every Friday night with everybody else at work and have my family and my wife whole and intact and be ridiculed and mocked by them because I made a different decision, because I have died to some things. Amen? Because you know what? We only read about David because David left a legacy. And men, we are men of legacy. When we die, this world is to know we were here. And I don't know about you, I want this world to know that I was here. And it'd be nice if it trembled a little bit because of it too. Amen? So men, no condemnation. But let's man up. And let's slay some giants. And let's do it together. Amen? Father, I just thank you for every single man in this house. You know, just a private moment between you and the Lord. If you just mind just closing your eyes for just a moment. Men, you're here, and you'd be bold enough to say, you know what, there's some giants in my life that I need to slay. I'm not going to have you call, call you forward. I'm not going to do anything like that, but I think there's power in you acknowledging, you know what, there's some things in my life, it's time that they die. There's some giants, it's time that I take out. I've tolerated it too long. If that's you and you're a man, I suppose if you're a woman or anybody else as far as that, you may have some giants too. But if you're here and you've got some giants and you'll admit, you know what, they need to go. And today's the day that I decide it's time for some giants to die. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you 
thank you. I thank you that you gave us David as an example of slaying our giants. And Father, I thank you that not a single man in this place has to face their giants alone. And Father, that they don't have to do it in their own power. Because John 19 tells us that as Jesus was hanging on the cross, that Jesus declared it is finished. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He wrought victory. He defeated every foe. And Father, because Jesus defeated every foe, we can defeat every foe. And Father, I pray that even this week, God, we hear giants fall. We hear them fall. In fact, we command them down. Father, we speak. We speak right now to the giant of anger. We call you to go. We speak to the giant of addiction and we call you dead. We speak to the giant of lust and we call you ineffective and non-existent in the lives of God's men. Father, we speak to the giant of apathy, the giant of insecurity. God, the, the giant of depression, the giant of anxiety, the giant of inadequacy. God, we speak to those. We say you bow and you die. No more. No more. In Jesus' name. tell you that, you know, if you slipped up your hand and, and you had the courage to admit, you know what, I got a giant that's got to go down. I just want to encourage you. Don't face the giants alone. Mostly because you don't have to. You don't have to face them alone. And you know what, we are stronger when we stand together than we ever are when we're by ourselves. And this is a place I honestly believe that is not one of condemnation, but a place of compassion and a place of determination that you can know victory and we will walk it out with you. So don't walk through life fighting your battles by yourself. We are here to fight with you so if you lifted up your hand today and you need prayer, you know what? I'm just going to call some men out right now. Terry, you stand up. Larry, you're standing up right back there, right? We got you stand up. Nathan, stand up. Oz, stand up. These guys will pray with you if you need someone to pray with you. John, will you stand up? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Will you stand up? You can go to John and John will pray with you. But if you're a man and you're fighting a battle, get with another man. Josh will pray with you. This Josh will pray with you. I'll pray with you. We will stand with you. Let's kill these things once and for all together. Amen? So if you need prayer for any reason, I'm going to invite you to come and stand with one of these men. One more thing I just want to say is that you know what? Jesus said it is finished because he paid the price for you and me. 
so that we can enter into relationship with him. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, today you can have that. And so if you would like a relationship with Jesus, you want to know him, you want to know his power and his strength that will empower you to get through your giants. I'm just going to tell you, go stand with one of these men. Men, come up and see me. We'll pray with you and we'll stand with you. Church, let's worship one more time. If you want to have a man stand with you, come see one of these mighty men. Thank you for checking out today's podcast. If you would like any further information about River's Edge Church, please visit our website at visitriversedge.com or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you for listening.